Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Andy. Hello, James. Hello, listeners. Hello, James. Hello there. Hello, listeners. This evening, we are chatting with James Miller, who, when we are chatting, ECW again. Now, James, would you like to introduce yourself and your YouTube channels first? If people who don't know who you are already? Yeah, hi. So, uh, I'm James Miller, uh, and I run or have the channel Miller's Miniatures, uh, and it is a channel that I've had running for about two years now. Uh, a lot of other people started up channels during the COVID times, and it was literally just a, a hobby update. Uh, a lot of people, when you try and describe the the hobby that we do, it's a lot easier to show them rather than trying to describe it and making yeah. yourself sound like a grown man who plays with toy soldiers, which I suppose we all really are. But um, <laughs> uh, the channel has mainly just been focused around 28 mil stuff that I do. I've started dabbling in some smaller stuff and a lot of it being around um, English Civil War or the 16th, 17th century sort of base combats, a uh, bit of 20, uh, 28 mil World War II stuff. And um, obviously recently the channel's mainly been focused on the new Epic stuff that's come out, um, which oh, fantastic. like a lot of people I'm really looking forward to getting hold of. I know for me, um, as a fan of English Civil War, your videos are really one of those first go-to places. So as soon as Epic English Civil War came out, I was like, what's Miller going to say about this? I'm going to have to watch his videos and find out. And I mean, I've got a very important question to ask you, James. What are you drinking right now? Uh, I am drinking orange squash, I'm afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. A weak orange squash is a, a tradition at Tom's house. What are you drinking, Tom? Uh, be some Vimto. Oh, you, I've got uh, water because I've got a bit of a cold still. Can't shake that cold, so I'm drinking the water. The, the listeners at home will be concerned if we don't tell them exactly what we're drinking. It's a tradition here. We get emails. My, my orange squash is more coloured water than orange flavoured. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But um, no, it, I, I, I think your videos, if, if anyone at home is thinking about English Civil War, my first thing to say to them is to go and check out some of some of James's uh, some videos and and begin there, and he's been doing some excellent work looking at the new um, epic English Civil War as well. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's uh, that's quite nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what got you into English Civil War? Because I I have a history background. I work at a museum. I I do study I, for work. I have to study history, and part of that is obviously part of the English Civil War. But what what really grabs you about? English Civil War, James? Well, before I was born, my mum, when she was 17, joined the English Civil War Society uh, with the uh, Weldon's Regiment. Uh, and then obviously I was born into it. So I did that for a long, long time, grew up doing it. And then obviously when I became old enough to take the field, I was in a pipe block for a couple of years. And um, always, my parents have always had a, a big passion for history as well. So if it's not going to the battles it's watching time team and learning about the history and things like that so history's always been a big thing but the english civil war has always yeah. been that that sort of you, you, the 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 thing that i always go to you know it's it's, it's, uh, it's, it's such it's, an I'm, I'm from colchester so it's romans and english civil war are the two big things I'm, from I'm, colchester i'm colchester now and as well anyway so uh, oh, there uh, we go we're practically neighbors <laughs> i've moved to london now go to the big city um 
And it's just it's just such an an interesting period. It's such a complicated. I say it's complicated. Um, we call it the English Civil War, but it's really the the War of Three Nations, and only the English could call a war with the Irish and the Scottish the English Civil War. We'll um, British Civil War. We'll go as far as that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it starts up in, in in Scotland. We have um, obviously have you know the Covenanters up there, and and the, the, you know uh, King Charles is trying to enforce um, the Book of Common Prayer. Up then you get the Presbyterian um, Scots having issue with that, and it starts a war, a fight there, and then this causes him more trouble at home. That's, that's the thing. A lot of people seem to just think it's about the fact that uh, it's to do with the royals and parliaments having a squabble. It's not that. England's invaded by Scotland. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they get as far as Newcastle, which had never been happened before. You know, it, so it's a response to that. Obviously, the king's having a response. Obviously, he poked them with a stick for long enough for the response to happen. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it's not the response he ends up. Well, he get, doesn't get the response he thinks he's going to get. And that's that's the thing that people just don't seem to. to yeah, he, he sends up two forces and like the, the first one fails and then the second one does even worse. Yeah. And he's left in a situation where I'm king of the Scottish and the English and the Scottish are halfway down into England. What am I going to do now? And he's asking Parliament for more money. Um, I, I describe um, a little bit of the difference between um, royalists and parliamentarians, almost a bit like passion versus principles. Um, you know, King Charles is a very passionate man. Um and a romantic. Um, his wife Henrietta Maria was was Catholic. Um, when he was a younger man, he'd he'd for for japes and jollies, he'd dress up as a in disguise, and and he snuck off because he knew it was, it, before they were married, he was, he was engaged. He'd sneak off to go and surprise her, and like, oh, I didn't know. Look, it's King, it's well, King Charles to be, it's King Charles, you know. Um, but he was very romantic, and. Um, the Parliament were having meetings about they were concerned about the Catholicization of the Church of England, and they were having meetings in Parliament about what should be done with Henrietta Marie, you know. And this is a point when historically they are, you know, hanging royalty in certain different places. And so that's when King Charles is like storms Parliament and goes, No, she's my wife. Now I could if I was king and they were potentially gonna hang my wife, I think I'd storm Parliament as well. But he does have the situation where he, he, you know, and we're going to get loads of emails from proper historical buffs saying, Andy, you, you're exaggerating, they're getting this wrong. But it does, um... Well, you've been going for at least two and a half minutes and not mentioned the breakdown of the Elizabethan constitution yet. So um... well, we will be talking about Tudors when we talk about coat colours, Tom. So don't worry, the counties determine the coat colours, the cassock colours for the regiments. Um, I lost my place now. Yeah, so... <laughs> He had stormed Parliament to say, like, no, you, you, you can't kill my wife. I would be very upset. So he's very much a passionate man. But I, I think um, the fact he he really genuinely believed he was chosen by God meant to, for him. He, he was almost, you know, always so sure he was going to win. And all the intrigue in court that was going on was almost like games. But he wasn't um, as kind to his 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 men as he could have been we see at the end um when the restoration does occur he gathered up the last of his troops in france to try and this is uh charles ii sorry not charles the first this is still stuart's though 
yeah. Charles II, um, his his troops that were, he just sort of abandoned them in France. He didn't bring them home, and he's like the most loyal of the of the of the royalist troops are just abandoned in France, not brought back to England. Almost embarrassed. Charles is the his father obviously Charles I is the same because um, he obviously <clears> allowed his his advisors to be executed around him to save yeah. his own skin. You know, he, he's not really got much loyalty short of the fact that as long as he's okay and he thinks that everybody loves him, then um, yeah, and obviously God loves him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put him in this. Come on, uh, come on, Tom, tell us how bad. I mean, we. We can go to we can go into Cromwell committing genocide in Ireland, so it really like, isn't. I, I just, it really I just, it isn't really that nice either. I, I don't think you would be like shouted out of school for anything. Like loyalty during like the entire period is a little bit elastic. I think you would you would say at the least we who's flavour of the month today, who's flavour of the month now. Well, a lot, of model, a lot of the new model army was made up of royalist veterans as well, so yeah. there's not exactly you know. Like you say, there's not a lot of loyalty. It's whoever is the um, who's on top, sort of thing. You know, it's almost like sort of civil wars become quite complicated with loyalty, don't they? And like, and, I know you you play a lot with Martin, don't you? Sort of Mister War of the Roses. Yeah. There's sort of like a lot of cross. I think there's a sort of like more similarities than you sort of necessarily. Sort a lot of less immediately. Well, a lot of less um, executions, and as much as um, everybody's backstabbing in, in the same way. But there's a lot of flip-flopping across the sides you know a lot of regiments changing sides and a lot of um, commanders obviously changing sides i'm surprised to be fair considering how the first year or first year and a half goes in the first civil war how there wasn't a, a mass flop over to the royalist side I mean, i'm surprised it wasn't a, a complete um whitewash to be fair but uh yeah it's amazing haberdasherers are just like <laughs> I should mention that that the that the city of something the city guilds the um the companies um would supply different materials weapons and and so on to to the armies they'd promised the royalists so much they'd promised the parliamentarians so much but amongst the most bloodthirsty of all were the haberdashers which uh, is very funny <laughs> only beaten by the stationers no it turns out that the pen is mightier than the sword Pamphlets were really important. And to us, we get a pamphlet thing, nothing really of it. But we have an experience of actually seeing things written down that are not true. These people have been raised um, at the time. You mean, you mean, sorry, do you mean that fake news isn't a new thing? It isn't, James. Oh. That's exactly what I was about to say. Um, these pamphlets were published originally. What most people had read had been the Bible. And that they were told anything written down in the Bible was true. So they just believed anything they read must therefore be true. To consider that something written down and printed was not true was a very strange concept. So when he got a pamphlet saying, oh, Prince Rupert's dog is a demon, well, it must be true. I think, I, I know, like, Prince Rupert and his dog and, like, magic pigs and that get a lot of, uh, like, publicity in, in the histories. But also when you read a lot of those pamphlets, a lot of them are basically, like, below byline red top things there's far more who's been like impropriety with somebody else's wife what's been going off on on this weekend but there's there's an awful lot of you know such and such commander is you know cuckolded by such and such a commander you know why are you fighting for him instead it's really highbrow stuff when you try and read and you see it all in you know high quality woodcut artwork it makes it much more fun for the period should we mention the flag 
that um, criticise Robert, Robert Devereaux. That's, oh, uh, that's for, that's for, that's for Hobby that. Support Group After Dark. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's good to know that, you know, 400 years later, everyone still sort of talks and chuckles about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when I, I was playing game and I brought Robert Devereaux out and my opponent had that flag. I was like, yay! <laughs> Um, Martin, I think Martin's got one of the, uh, that flag on one of his on, on his cavalry unit as well. Yeah. So, and I think I did have Essex in that last game, so that was quite fitting. Yeah. It's probably one of those flags that most of us have probably got somewhere because that is we're talking about pamphlets, fancy flags. It's also it's it's a dandy hats and fancy flags is what we very nearly called this podcast because <laughs> it, it is. I, I don't think like maybe like the English Civil War on like. A, a, a miniatures front and also like on a, on a, on a troops facing it. It's probably like some of the fanciest men that have ever. You've got more lace and like Cuban heeled style shoes, I think, than you have on, on most of your miniatures, haven't you? I know you also do some Italian wars as well, which probably pips them for dandiness. But mm. good old uh, good old Lanskinets with their um, flamboyant, multicolored clothing. Always a pain to paint, but always looks good on a battlefield. Right. We'd all like a Landerschneck army, but um, some of us yeah. just do Frostgrave warbands because we can't face painting hundreds of them. I mean, part of the big attraction, I think, for English Civil War is the flags. Yeah, big, big flags taking up loads of space in your pipe block. I wish uh, if I could go back now and redo my 28 mil um, from the beginning, there would definitely be a lot more flags than what I've got. I've got one one in it, you know. And some of the things that I see people doing where they've got two, three, you know, some of the stuff like um, Simon Miller's Bicorn Army, mostly Bicorn, yeah. Red and it's some of the figures and the, the units he's got in that, the big flags, they're just, it just looks fantastic. Um, I'm doing my Royalists in 10 mil and I, I bought the little the sheets of flags and I was like, am I really going to put one flag? I thought, I thought well, I might as well use more. I've got six of these flags to use for Prince Rupert's foot regiment. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to use four of them. I'll save a couple for the future project. But I might as well put them in because they look good. That's well, what about the epic stuff. They've actually allowed two ensigns in there so you can have more flags in it. It's just that little bit more. Um, oh, it's good. You've used um, 15 mil flags for your epic ones, haven't you? So they're, they're a bit more dandy. Yeah, yeah. I've used the War Games Designs ones, which are, they come out about 20 mil. Um, so they're even taller than the men, which obviously they would be big flags. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, not not a fan, not a massive fan of the size that they've gone for, but epic that is. But considering they've had to reduce the sizes of the pikes to fit, and I get it, it's for casting. You know, they're all going to get snapped off, um, and then having to make the flagpoles that bit smaller so they don't look like they're waving flag uh, pikes above their head with flags on them. I get it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've I've had to go that bit bigger just to make it look that much better. James, is there a um, is there a particular time frame within English Civil War that you've focused on, and you enjoy playing the most? Uh, yeah, so my um, twenty eight mil armies based on the Eastern Association in and around Marston Moor, so around sixteen forty four, uh, and the campaigns around that sort of time. Um, I like the Eastern Association because it's obviously got um, it, it's got local units for here it's got really cool characters like uh, Lawrence Crawford and his regiments of foot uh, and then it's, it's got Cromwell which obviously everybody always wants in their army but I, I've not focused him as like the main guy in it he's just a cavalry commander and the Earl of Manchester isn't 
uh, a commander that I see a lot of people do. You know, you know, everyone does Waller or Essex. So I thought it was quite cool to do Manchester. Um, and they got good stats in the rules that I use. So, well, yeah. not as good as the Royalists, clearly, from my last game. But um, <laughs> that wasn't that was not the rules. That was the dice. I saw that game. <laughs> That's like it's it's one of like the really interesting things that I really like about the English of Orcs. Like I I'd never really been super into the period until we actually started playing it because like I, I'd studied it for A level history, but it's sort of like you learn all about the causes and the consequences of it, and then like the syllabus stops basically as soon as Charles raises his banners, and that's it. You don't do any of the actual military stuff. But then like the sort of like the, the more we've played it and the the more we've sort of like talked about it down the club or like over a drink or whatever, just the more and more interesting it gets and how you can sort of take it from like, you know, these great big like the set of battles to like the tiny sieges of some like random manor house with like three men and a goose defending it for sort of that's, that's the great thing about the period. It's it's all over the country. Every time I go to a village I I travel for work sort of in and around the area, not far, but every time I go to a new village and I see like an old building, I think, has this place got any relation to anything in the English Civil War? And nine times out of ten, it has, or it hasn't, or it's very small or somewhat, you know, like I've heard a lot of um, Cromwell stayed in the pub sort of thing. For a Puritan, he sure went to a lot of pubs, didn't he, Cromwell? Did, did. Um, uh, so like Saffron Walden, obviously, I've done a few jobs up there and I know he's supposed to have stayed in uh cross keys which is a job place i've done some work for and i think the new model army was based in and around that sort of area so i like that that's it just it's a period that a lot of people don't know but has touched so many places in and around the area which is something i love about it there's always that little little nuance in the areas that you you don't realize i mean i live in london i live in tower hamlets so i have the tower hamlets trained band even though i know that because I do early, I've done an early war, uh, Robert Devereux, and I know that they wouldn't have been in his army. I'm like, I've got to have my local lads though, haven't I? It's like having your local football team. It's rule of call, <laughs> got... isn't it? Hmm? It's rule of call. Exactly. Cool to have it in your army. Exactly. Got to have a. Got to have them. Yeah, or you can you can build armies that were like really a bit rubbish, like the Northern Horse, which just sort of like mooch about the place. Who can they like? pillage and loot this week and you know well we're not going there because they've already been looted we'll go this way instead you know dangle us a bit more gold but then just do you allow you to field massive cavalry armies and not worry about having any pike or foot because they'll not bother and it's like oh dear there's like a man with a stick in a hedge right we'll go the other way that's this week chat i don't think it really matters whether you do um because i've got covenanters i've got parliament i've got royalists i don't think it really matters which you choose. I mean, my heart obviously is mostly parliamentarian, just because that's just what I first did. Um, I, I struggle to paint royalists. I, I can't. I really struggle to bring myself to do it. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I've, I've said I'll do it with the epic stuff, but it, it's something about it. I just I struggle with it. <laughs> well, paint them. Tell yourself you're painting parliamentarian, and then at the end, just put different flags on. Or, or just get someone to paint the red sashes on for me, or uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it it comes down to sash colour, really, in flags yeah. at the end of the day. But um, I think, you know, um, there's not. I think I said I said in the previous episode that, that technologically speaking, we don't see much of a a development apart from a, a lightening of you know moving from match locks to to fire locks and. 
you know, they, they get the lighter and we see a, a development of, you know, from the larger sort of Spanish style and we get the D Dutch style starting to take over and eventually you get down to a ratio. I think sometimes it's like two to one, twice as many fire locks as, as uh, match locks as, as pikes. So you see more musketeers and less armor mm. becomes fashionable, but you can really use anything at any point because, you know, people are going to be desperate to get whatever weapons they can get their hands on. I was reading today that 1,500 men would use a quarter of a ton of matchlock string match a day. Really? Because it's constantly burning. Surely that's only on the field, though, because you're not always going to have it lit. Surely you're only going to light it. If you're, in a, if you're, well, this is part of the problem. So if you've got, if you're expecting an attack in like a siege, if yeah. you're all then you, you might want to have you might have the, just the lead person, but then they've got to run around and light all the other people's <laughs> with their light to get it going. Oh, I can like, understand. It's mad, isn't it? That's so, really like the, the interesting things about the period, though. It, I find is that you have got like yeah, like matchlocks are like quite like an, a, a relatively like archaic style of weapon, but they're also being used in things like the way you have you might have like the some battalion would have like the, the rotating front ranks of mm. musketeers, which is almost like a prototype of sort of like Napoleonic, like volley fire of like, well, they fire, they then re like step back while they reload and then the front, the next front rank sort of comes forward. So it's like you almost have like proto sort of like fire and maneuver while you stood sort of still while you're not just, it is definitely different from sort of like how you're playing with like longbows and archers of you just you stood here you all fire you go so there, there is like you sort of think of these like pike blocks just being like static things where everyone just stands still and doesn't really move but they're actually like a lot more dynamic yeah the musketeers firing and then like having channels to run up to then like circle back round and fire there the muskets but there's not you know we can't be there to see it happening is the thing we only have people's would you, would you want to go back? Obviously, as a yeah, as a historian, is that sort of the period that you would want to go back and witness? Not in a million years. Just <laughs> no. You've stubbed your nose on, like, stubbed your toe on a thorn. You've now got gangrene and died. You've got malaria and died. You ate a dodgy turnip. You're dead. <clears throat> you got dysentery from water. You're dead. You've got the flux. You're dead. Dead. Just, <laughs> just people dead. just dying all the time. I want to be right here, right now, with modern medicine. Thank you very much. Um, if I could see it without risk of personal injury, throw a looking glass. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it might be. It would be amazing to see, but it might just not look as dramatic as I imagine in my head. The banners flying and the horses charging and there's gun smoke. In my head, looks awesome, like a you know, dramatic movie. It might just be a bit, might just be a bit sad watching everyone get shot. What now? Why? 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 Why won't they make a movie of it? I don't get it. That's that's the thing I'd love to see. Is someone making a movie? Of well, there's film. Cromwell, of course, <laughs> Richard Harris. Terrible, terrible film. My God, what awful film. No accuracy in it whatsoever. One star would not recommend. The only other, I think there's only other two other things I've ever seen that's actually English Civil War based, and that is um, The Devil's Hall, which was out 
good few years ago, which was all about, uh, I think she was a woman and it was about her, I think that might have been based on a book or something, and she was floating around between royalist and parliamentarian lovers trying to survive the war, like I suppose many people at the time was. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a series about these kids that hid in the woods during the English Civil War. I can't remember what it was called, thinking about it, but I was just thinking about it now. Yeah, that was a, that was a good film. And again, that was the English Civil War. And as a kid, I'd loved it. I should probably maybe get into the hobby even more. What we need is a good BBC Sunday afternoon dramatisation of some kind of English Civil War history drama. That's what we need. 30 men in the field fighting each other. That's what we need on a Sunday afternoon. What, English Civil War uh, Downton Abbey or something like that? I mean... If it got the if it, if that gets the budget to make it, I, think, I, I, I don't know how many like personalities you've got in like the whole of the English of War that would it, it would fit into the sort of like the eye candy sort of role for like an outlandish thing. Even though like I now have to play Come on, Prince, always Prince, as like even Prince like, Rupert must have been a bit, like a good looking fella of his with his flouncy hair and shirt and the like. The we, dog. we 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 all know that like Cromwell was you know the renowned ladies' man. As he's in, <laughs> on the, the podcast, but um, I don't, I, I can't really imagine sort of like him in like a, the pole dark role of <laughs> Ollie C. Oh, that's an image I don't need in my head at uh, nine o'clock. In the <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to end the podcast there as no one wanted to carry on. We had some dark thoughts we need to deal with. Oh, that's, a, that's a tangent too far, even for me. Let's bring it back. So English Civil War, there's 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 many well there's many wars of in the English Civil War essentially, many different periods to play. Um and you can really use any of the min what I'm trying to say is you could use any of the miniatures at any point to play English Civil War. If you want to do if you want to do Covenanters versus Royalists, and if you want yeah, to do it's not like a World War Two game where someone's gonna say, You can't have that uniform because that's early war and this is late exactly. war. Exactly. You know, it's it's everything runs throughout. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the the only thing someone might argue is you you wouldn't have had uh, cuirassiers um, in the third civil war, sort of thing. Yeah, they're, that, yeah. they're, they're the were. only thing, really, aren't they? And it's yeah. uh, it, it's my like only real big bugbear with the epic stuff is the like tiny unit of cuirassiers. Yes, it's like why bother with them? They were mm. like unicorns, really, by and large, from what I understand. Um, yeah, there's only a few few units, maybe a couple on the royalist side, and about, about one or two on the parliamentarian side. So you're going to have four. You could use them maybe as like an extra, an extra officer model, you know, because they put their fancy armor on to look fancy. But obviously they're there for the Thirty Years' War stuff as well, though, isn't it? There's going to be a lot more for that. So I suppose they've they've just covered that basis because you'd have had a lot of people doing Thirty Years' War saying, "Well, why couldn't you have done plastic ones? Now I've got <laughs> to buy resin ones or something like that." And this. It's covered them, hasn't it, I suppose? Well, I think that's maybe something just like, although we are chatting a lot about the English Civil War and like people who like really don't know the period very well might sort of think that like the Thirty Years' War and like the English Civil War are like vastly different. Um, or also even, even like not realise how much crossover you sort of got because, yeah. you know, quite a few... So like especially like in the early years of the English Civil War, they learned all their experience over in Europe 
Flanders. The Thirty Years War, and it yeah. is Waller and Hopton fought together, didn't they, over mm-hmm. in the Thirty Years? Didn't they? And then obviously they're then fighting against each other. Each other. So. And when we get the Dutch in the Swedish style, which I mentioned, the different tactics they use come from the Dutch and the Swedish fighting in the Thirty Year War. Um, and I know you both are looking forward to me telling everyone at home the history of the Thirty Years' War. Not as excited as me to break this down in this hour-long epic discussion. No, I, um, the Bohemians kick off, and then the, 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 then the French and the Dutch and the Swedish all get involved. And then, and then they all really, died. And then they all died, and nearly as many people died as died in World War One, like by 0.2 of a million or something. But it really is the French. It starts off a, a war of religion and ends up being um, a political thing where the French are trying to um, unbalance the Habsburgs. Yeah, because he covered it, that. And it, it becomes one of those really Sweden simple, is awesome, and then he dies. It becomes one of those really simple wars of religion, isn't it? When you end up with like it's the Catholics versus the Protestants, but then like this is like a Catholic army being led by a Protestant against other Catholics in a religious war it's like what is going up oh, oh, just yeah it's just everyone just fights that's fighting such fun and England Actually, goes nah we'll just fight ourselves <laughs> we're gonna have you know let's get some wars going against a prayer book that's what we're yes <laughs> so well, what, I mean I was just to say that the, the issue whether I, I like I like the fact that there is some sort of unity between Presbyterianism, you don't have bishops, you have a, a collected group of elders who guide, much like parliamentarianism, we have parliament that guides, and obviously the with Church of England, you have this, the bishops who are leading, and have that hierarchy in the same way as they have a hierarchy up to a king, so there's this kind of a symmetry there between between the two, Yeah, I like that. Looking back, I'm not sure if that was the reason, but I can go, ooh, symmetry. Nice. I think it's just like, I think it's also like for the the newer person to be mindful, though, that like not all parliamentarians are uh, Puritans. And like how we think of the Puritans as like the black outer, you know, you will eat like a boiled turnip for, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's not necessarily as true and they're not quite as boring. As we think, you know, they're not all the ravishing ladies' man like Cromwell was. Um, I'm just going to keep pumping that lie. Um, he wasn't. Um, In the same way as politicians that say things sometimes publicly about things are then caught doing the thing they say that is naughty. Is that what you mean, Tom? Because that's never happened. Never, never happened. This is Shocked very naughty. Stunned. Don't do this. Oh, I've been caught doing it. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> Shocks and stunned. Um, so I, I know, uh, James, you sort of like, talking now a little bit about the toy soldiers. You've sort of got quite some really nice looking 28 mil English Civil War stuff, as Andy and I have. And you've also started now making the jump into playing in some doing some of the epic pike and shot stuff as well. And you also take the, the, the odd dalliance into some 15 and 18 mil stuff as well, don't you, from your YouTube channel, I think. Yeah. If I wasn't hallucinating watching those videos what's it like playing a game in 17 different scales <laughs> welcome to our world <laughs> the thing the thing was with the, with the scales with this especially is that uh, playing the 28s is good but i find that for a large battle if you want a, a big 
sort of battle, you need a big table. I've not got a big table. So trying to fight an English Civil War battle, especially um, with it looking like a battle and still being able to have, you know, maybe two dines deep of infantry and big cavalry wings that can sweep around and go around the back. And you need you need that smaller scale. So I, I dabbled with um, Steel Fist miniatures, which are the 15 ones, 15 mil. And uh, I wanted to see if I could play the game in that sort of scale. But Steel Fist miniatures, as lovely as they are, and if I had the money, then yes, I would definitely build an army. But I can't. They're, they're not the cheapest figures for a regiment. I think it was like 40 quid for um, pikes and shot, you know, and I've not got the money for that. And if I did have that, then I could have just bought that in 28 mil. But for the look of them, they look amazing especially the command figures and things like that so i'll definitely be getting some for the epic but the thing with the scale the scale sizes and different things is it's just to be able to have to be able to achieve different things in those sizes like i said 28 is is great visually it looks great but you just you're limited with the size of the battle you can have on the table and most of the time the biggest yeah. table i probably manage is, a, is an eight by four yeah. batter push uh, cool. and you, you're limited to your regiments or your battalions and so just trying different sizes, see where it goes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I, I deploy my English Civil War army that's in 28. I need like a 12 foot table to put it all like two, yeah. two units, like two horses deep, and that's it. It's like yeah. we, we played a game down at our club last year. I think there was six or seven of us, and we, I think we're on like a 24 foot long table. And we just weren't able to deploy them both. But by the time we'd all deployed everything, we deployed most of our armies, there was no room to maneuver at all. It was just, we need some like traffic management on the table to sort of try and move this around because there's just nowhere for anyone to go. It's like, well, they didn't activate to move. So everyone's just off the table waiting to come on, which is one of the reasons why we jumped down to start playing stuff in 10 mil because it's mm. much, it's more practical to take stuff down to our club where you can then get you know, half a dozen pike blocks with all their accompanying shot and some cover, and you've got room to play it, move it around. And it just, it's, it's what we started doing, and it just works really well. Like, yeah, you've got the visual spectacle of the 28s, and they look gorgeous, but just not maybe as practical for day-to-day gaming, I think. Um, we're, we're really enjoying everyone saying how great it is to be playing English Civil War at a smaller scale, because we've been doing it for a couple of years now. Cool so it's nice that everyone's joining up, uh, um, catching up with us and uh, joining us. I've been looking at scales for ages. I mean, I've even looked at uh, Bacchus's six mil stuff for a little while to see whether or not that would have been um, any good uh, to do. But it's just that whole thing with the, I, I don't know, I, it was Bacchus I thought was too small. 15 mil I think was kind of a nice point, but it's too expensive. And mm. I even looked at uh, Eureka Miniatures, I think do an 18 mil. Um, but again, it's cost. I've Pendragon do 10 mil and Lancer. As actually Lancer, that was what I started off doing their Covenanters. That was the first 10 mil army, it was the Covenanters. And they are, they're, they're quite uh, cost effective, Lancer yeah. miniatures. I, I did like a 10 mil Lancer minis army, which I think is like four units of four pike blocks, like eight units of shot, three or four units of cavalry. And I had changed from 40 quid. Mm. It's, you know, they're like cannons are like 50p each or something ridiculous. But then again at the same time i don't know how you gents feel about 3d printing but there's also 3d printed versions of them in smaller scales now 
Yeah, so yeah, obviously 3D printing, you can also get them in the resin. So there was a guy that sent me some before, um, pro, and he's got uh, figures on Thingiverse called by, I think his company's Ranks of Resin. And he's got some really nice 3D prints yeah. of English Civil War stuff. Again, he's got Covenanters, he's got Cannons, he's got Parliamentarians, which obviously you can use for um, Kings, uh, Royalists as well. And there was another guy, uh, Henry Turner, who's um, going to send me some stuff to show off on the channel soon as well. So is that files you can get? Yeah, STL files. Uh, so you could re you could potentially resize them to exactly. 12 and a half? Uh, they're free. The STL files are free. Um, he sent them to me in, I think, about 10 mil. And I sent them to Ken over at Miniature Wargaming uh, War Warriors. And he sized yep. them up to 28 mil. And he said they still work really fine. So I saw those. Yeah. Obviously, on the pla I think he had them on the Plastic Crack podcast. I think he showed them off then. Yeah, I think he painted, he, he printed Covenanters and painted them as uh, Earl of Manchester's Regiment of Foot or with bonnets. That's bonnet, right. You know, yeah, uh, green bonnets. Uh, but uh, yeah, really, they're they're a really nice range. So um, I have to see if I can try and show his stuff off on the channel soon because yeah, uh, I think they'll scale really well with the epic stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't go for things like Steelfish Miniatures or Peter Pig, those two ranges will probably be quite good. Um, cheaper substitutes if you want to add some more flavour into the armies. I think we have a friend, Sam, who I think has printed off a 10 mil uh, English of War yeah. Yeah, to, to join us. Shall we have a brief chat about the epic stuff as we've been dancing around minis and, and talking about them? And you're one of the... The, you know maybe the few people who've actually like had your hands on them you've got them all painted actually up touched and yes. they do look <clears throat> absolutely <throat> gorgeous and like uh, touched uh, by the hand of john stallard himself i think they've done a, a really nice job on these I've, I've not touched the the napoleon ones and i liked the acw but i never wanted to do it but the epic ecw stuff or epic pike and shot stuff's just there's something about them that they've I know obviously it's John's, um, it's his love child as well, that period. Yeah. So it's probably something he wanted to get down to a T and maybe tested out some of the other areas, you know, things like what to add on what sprues and things with the, the other ranges. And I think with these, they've they've kind of hit the nail on the head with the way they make them look, how, how to arrange the units, what to put on the sprues. I mean, the details on them. Are really nice, especially in the infantry. The, the, the cavalry, I think, uh, the cavalry, there's some sort, some little bits where they could have done better, sort of obviously where you've got the, they'd sort of turn to the side, so, and the chest's kind of a bit moulded in, a bit of the, the reins are moulded into a bit of the arm and a bit of whatever yeah. weapon is. They, they kind of, it's hard to define, but at a small, at that smaller scale, when they're on the base, and if you make the base look great, I think you, you, you just won't see it. And, uh, if, you were, if you were six foot away, would you even uh, notice? 100% you wouldn't notice. Of course not. You'd be looking at the back of them anyway, so you don't really care. What <laughs> so, um, that is true. Unless they're running away, coming back out. Well, yeah. uh, one of the things that I really like about them is how like practical the pike blocks are. Because like, having built like and, and now transported and used like, a number of like 28 mil pike blocks, they're just mm. a nightmare. I'm sure... I, I, I think they must be like the bane of most gamers' existence is trying to. I don't know about your 28 mil pipe box, but you just find they sort of have like a, a self destruction sort of wish list. Like, you know, every time you take them out of the transport box, they're just like slightly more damage. You've lost more pikes. Yeah. They're, they're yeah more I've, got, I've got the metal ones, so they regularly draw blood. 
Yes. As I'm playing. You're not, you're not a real ECW gamer if you haven't drawn blood on your pikes before, you know. Um, but yeah, I, every time I, I've uh, definitely had to trial and error different ways of transporting and managing them. I use um, really useful boxes now for, for most of them. I think they're perfect for them. But even then, you have to the pikes are at an awkward size where you can't just go for a small one you have to go for the really big ones and there's always that couple of nine liter one and you got you you feel like you're wasting five liters of storage base for pikes you always need a shelf to put your musketeers on top of it sort of thing inside just to uh make up for the room but um yeah i think that's what puts people off a lot of the the period as well is the the transportation and i think now that they're going to fit in the what, what's the smaller ones the more flat i think they're like seven liters aren't they or something the or four liter ones like the, four the, liter. The, the half like the normal size ones that yeah i think they're perfectly fitting them so there's going to be a lot more happy participants in that sort of period now i think as a result of that as you get smaller it gets so much easier to transport these models and you're right with the pikes it's always an issue um because they're like twice as tall as as the other models yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think also, I think they are, as you said, you know, maybe what they've learned from like the ACW and the, the Waterloo sets, it seems amazing value. And like, actually, like what you, it seems like, you know, we've played the period quite a lot. I know what I would really want if I was picking up, like, to do an ECW army these days. And like, those starter sets give you everything that you need. Yeah. That you sort of want. And like, yeah, my big bugbear is, the cavalry doesn't give me quite the breakdown I want, but that's because I'm slightly obsessed with cavalry and just will pick. As listeners will know, we'll Tom pick fault at any. We'll pick fault at any cavalry. I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm not a big fan of the way they've based the cavalry because obviously they've done it so that every unit is three strips or three bases, and the cavalry just doesn't have that cavalry um, wing look about it they're not troops yeah. of horses they're a line of horse so unless they're going to suggest putting them in three like three rows which almost looks like they're in column essentially mm-hmm. then i don't i i won't be basing mine like that i'll be putting them on a different base making them look like deeper lines just to give it that yeah. that look about them but you've done that with your pike blocks haven't you you've uh, on one of your videos you've like re, you've you put the is it the eight dudes on the front You've put on your bike because you've put them on those different. Um, you put them on the to the strongest bases, haven't you? Yeah, the wibbly wobbly bases, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously you're going to fit the ten people, and I thought it might look a bit tight, but now looking at it, it, it's probably not. So I could I've only put eight now, but as opposed to the ten, but I probably maybe squeeze a couple on. Otherwise, I'm going to have, you know, if I've got fourteen regiments of foot, I'm going to have, you know, quite a few spare dudes. I might, to be fair, maybe if I keep enough of them, I might make some um, hedgehog markers. To shake out the regiment and put hedgehog in to replace it. That's not a bad idea. I think I'll be interested to see how they suggest to do hedgehog as well, actually, in the rules, because obviously they've had to adapt the rules to suit the new bases. And I'm guessing that in the rules they're going to be pike and shot are one thing as opposed to individual units like they are in basic pike and shot. So I'll be interested to see that in the rules. Have you had a, have you have they sent you any of the new rules yet or are you about that yeah i've only had the both the sprues thankfully very 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 um appreciative of that because i we're know not, a lot of people have only got the one sprue they've not got both so um i was quite great grateful we're, for that. we're not jealous at all <laughs> well like, um war games illustrated comes out this month as well doesn't it so everybody be getting their sprues this month i think so 
I'm interested yeah. to see what people get up to with them. It'd be quite nice to see everybody else's take on what they do with them sure. and everybody else's feedback as well. I mean, I'm half expecting a lot of people, you know, everybody's excited for it, but I'd be interested to see people's criticisms as well, um, mm. see what they don't like about them. I think I mean, it will be a smaller, a smaller um, portion of people. But um, I mean, from looking at it, I like I wish this had come out three years ago when we were mm. first starting looking at a smaller scaling just of a war because i think it's a perfect set to start i can't go back in time and i've invested so much now in 10 mil I, I i can't financially justify it to myself to ditch everything i've already done and and go up two and a half millimeters but i would recommend anyone who's thinking about english civil war now to start with this set i think yeah if, if i, I... Think... oh sorry sorry go on james I was going to say, I think even people that haven't done English Civil War or ha sorry, uh, the people that have done English Civil War, a lot of people are now saying, well, I'm doing 30 years war as a result of that because oh, yeah. they don't want to do it again in a smaller scale. So many people, um, uh, uh, it seems to be that that's the line. If you've done ECW doing 30 years war and if you've done, if you haven't done either, then a lot seem to be doing English Civil War. So it's an interesting divide. I, I put something on the channel before to see what the divide was and there was there was quite a an equal divide between the two so it's, it's good yeah. to see that oh they, they pleased both parties on the fact that they've done it like that they just made it generic and not gone and based it on a battle like basing it on Naseby or something like that like they did with Waterloo yeah they've actually just made it a broad thing I think they've done a good thing with that because it, it's literally just the flags isn't it? it's different it, than the two boxes literally just the flags so yeah and maybe some maybe the coat colors but the, the models ain't going to change because of the coat colors are they? oh yeah they no, i work. mean i mean literally the, the box itself is going to have you buy a box yeah. for 30 year war it just has 30 year war flags in it yeah so they're producing two different so there's infantry english civil war infantry 30 years war and in each one there'll be a different sheet for flags i wonder if they could have done something a bit differently just to save on things like packaging and things would be to just do a push a pipe box and then do the flags free, have them as a free download. Yeah. Something like that. If free, that would fit an A4 piece of paper or that you could get done or, and, and then that would have obviously, but then a lot of people wouldn't want to do that because they wouldn't have it on the right paper possibly. I don't know. Well, also how much, I, not a, don't run a multi-million pound international business, but you would think how much does like a cost of like an extra flag sheet cost? compared to like the warehousing's cost of like running two different boxes, like having two different like well, exactly. product yeah. lines. Now they've, they've not got to pay for a whole other printing of the boxes and the packaging to suit for that, as opposed to just giving away a free, well, which is maybe, the same flags reduced in size. It's not, they're not different flags. They're the same flags, just smaller. Maybe it's like a bit of marketing for them to see how popular each box is. Maybe they'll go, well, Let's see how many 30 years wars we sell. And maybe if we sell more, then we'll do more stuff for it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout. To be fair, I didn't even think of that. Because yeah, yeah. so, mm. I, 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 I can see the appeal of why people who maybe have already done like the English Civil War would want to do the 30 years war. Because you could do, on the smaller scale, you could do the different like formational setups for the different armies. I think a little bit easier, than definitely, than you can do in 28. I know, like, in, in my case... I am actually going to do like English Civil War again, but I want to do it. I'm going to use the back of six mil stuff because mm. I just think like the the way that you can sort of like set up those battalia and have them looking like 
like they do in the pictures just mm. the theoretically this is how it works i just think it looks amazing um but like, it, does, yeah. it does look good yeah but if, if i didn't have my 28 more stuff i would definitely buy the epic stuff because i think it looks great i think like for, for, me, for me personally i think the epic stuff is almost like a replacement for the 28s because it's just more practical to game with and it still looks really really nice like, I'm surprised actually. This the same week that that was announced, the amount of English Civil War 28 mil stuff that was suddenly on eBay, or 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 boxes of stuff that hadn't been finished was suddenly on eBay, where so many people have just gone, yeah, no, I'm not bothering with that now. I'm I'm going for the epic stuff. So many people obviously got rid of whatever they planned to is do. Is it all in your house now, James? It is. Piles <laughs> in the corner. No. <laughs> Doing one for one and 28 mil. <laughs> Thousand man regiment, perfect. There we are. No, I, like for me, I think like you have such like a made like you have companies like Bloody Miniatures, which bring out like really great characterful twenty eights. I'm always going to be doing twenty eight like ECW some stuff. I just think it's it, it fits suits my style of gaming more. For we're doing a small siege, or we're doing this like tiny little encounter battle in well, twenty eight rather than like meets- Naseby. Our club on a Wednesday night. We're just going to go down for a just a casual game on a Wednesday night. Do I want to get all my really useful boxes out, take them to work with me, and then go to the club with them, mm. or pack yeah. a couple of small boxes with ten mil stuff in? Yeah, it's definitely a, a more compact uh, and definitely travel-sized battle in a box, essentially. Um, yeah, a sort of thing, really. Which, uh, and it's it's good. And I think that's obviously the thing that's always been the case with the epic stuff. It's obviously a, a battle in a box it's it's made that bit more accessible for everyone to have an entire army that much quicker with that much more ability to transport than it is to buy you know three starter battalions or something like that that you've then got to assemble you know it's there clip it off the sprue put it on the on a base and it's it's there and it's done it's definitely a great great thing and a, a lot of people I, I personally didn't like the Napoleonic stuff because they looked quite um, static. There was no mm-hmm. movement in it, you know, really. And I, you could argue that with the Epic stuff, with the Pike and Shot stuff, sorry, but there's there's different variety. There's different uniform. They all look different. They've not all got a Morion on uh, an, an armor. Some have got the armor. Some have got, to be fair, the Pikemen have all got Morions, but the, the Musketeers all look different. There's different flavor. It represents the period, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, bit more space between them as well, though, isn't there? They're not quite all like each figure isn't quite as from what I've seen anyway, they don't all look quite as like you know welded together. Shoulder welded on each other's toes. Some of them have also yeah. their arms behind each other. I mean, people are arguing that the pipe the not the pipes, the musketeers are too close. But you, there's always gonna be a couple of people that are gonna have some sort of gripe about it because obviously like you said the musketeers when they're fire fighting and firing they would be moving between each other you know in a sort of a, a, a you've got to make allowances for like their toys they can't be they're not they're yeah. going to be museum dioramas are they that you have to play with them yeah exactly have to play with them and i mean if you had it as big as that the bait they would almost be taking up the same amount of space as the 28 mil stuff because of to make it look like people want it to look like mm-hmm. and um you you've got to ha- give that little bit of ground to make it accessible mm-hmm. well it's it's something like uh, you mentioned earlier like making the hedgehog markers it's like when even whenever you're playing the page you have to more or less do like a little bit of like 
imagination land stuff when you're putting units in hedgehog and that is it because you never unless you individually base almost every figure so you can then start moving them all around to make your hedgehogs but at least you know, you've got to bang a token down and go they're now in a hedgehog this is yeah yeah how it works um you know and i think i think it's, it's something that like a lot of gamers just do automatically and just don't really think about it but then when something new comes along and they get this for some reason seems to sort of like object to having to do what they've always done anyway but it's just you know, just spoilers they're all just tokens yeah. every miniature is just a token <laughs> Shh. don't let anyone know are you going to be using the pike and shot rules do you feel pike and shot are my go-to rules despite a couple of really terrible games i've had lately um i they're the rules that i like to use um i annoyingly i haven't had a chance to play enough other period or other English Civil War based rules that I know there's so many more out there. Everybody always likes to recommend them to me and I'd love to be able to play them. It's just, I have not had the opportunity or got access to those rules to play them. Like um, the kingdom is ours is one that we've been talking about recently to try and have a go. Me and Martin literally last night we were talking about it. And it, again, it's a, a rule set that I'd love to have a go at playing. Haven't had the chance uh, victory without quarter. Um, What's the other? Uh, to the strongest, or not to the strongest? Uh, to for King and Parliament. King and Parliament. Yeah. I've always questioned the idea of having card-based games. I played yeah. a game. Um, you know, seeing your dice, know, I'm surprised not more in favour of card-based games. You, 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 you joke about it. Literally, I've been like, maybe cards might be my thing for a little bit because uh, dice is random. Cards. Um, there's you an, know, I think of you know, card- there's a king in there. Exactly. You know, you know, if if all your kings are gone and you want looking for a king, you're like, well, I'm not going to get what I want. Whereas with dice, there's always that element that it's going to come up. So I suppose with cards, it changes the way you play the game because you know what, you, unless you're counting the cards, you have a rough idea of what's yeah. going to happen. So again, it's a, it's something I've, I've always questioned, but I think I'd be open to, to having a go at. Um, I know you gents play uh, Pikeman's Lament, don't you? Yeah. See, I question that as an English Civil War game because of the way that um, the the units are scaled down to suit the game. I think because you're you're, I always picture it a bit like SPQR, where they're ten men units. Well, you're not going to have a ten man unit of pikes. So um, I always question it. I've not played it, so I can't make that um, definite assumption that that's how it would be. <coughs> it's, um, it's... I would say. If you want a simulation or anything that's like historical, don't play it. Mm. If you want a fun game at the end of the day after you've been at work all day, mm. it's great. It's it's a really fun game that gives you, yeah, my pike block are going to try and poke your cavalry as they come in. And then your yeah. cavalry are always going to end up, your cavalry will probably just end up killing themselves. Um, it's generally what happens with cavalry. Um, no, it, it, it is a game. I really like it, but it is it, it it definitely like straddles that idea of like silliness and whimsy and a historical game at the same time. And like it's I would I would say it's probably quite marmite, but I really like it. But I also I really like Pike and Shot. I think Pike and Shot is one of those great games where you can play it with a bunch of people. If it doesn't matter if they played it a load of times. Away you go. Um, I know me and Ed are on a mission at the moment to play a load of the like the older rule sets, and we like keep discovering things. We're going like, well, if you read these rules as written, it means like anything go for like three quarter range. You can never actually hit anything. 
and it's like let's get the tables out we, like, especially because like, we, we decided to stop playing like well, like the 70s and 80s rule sets which is like make you lose the will to live well sort of going on like well look on you roll your hit table and then you like right now roll look on the wound table now look on the weapon damage table now look on the movement table and it's just like boom boom it's, it's well it's junior accountant wargaming um, <laughs> Yeah. Andy's, Andy's not involved in this project because you can see the amount of disdain he has his look, the look on his face when he <clears> sees the rule sets that we're discussing. Uh, I think you should be able to like maybe take your turn in like five to ten minutes maximum rather than spend an hour checking tables and books. It says here I'm... Yeah, hang on. I'm... I'm dead. There we go. There we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. That that sort of takes it away. You take, if it's, if you spending too long looking at lists or tables and things like that you're coming out of the game you want to be able to roll the dice and know exactly what you want at the time sort of thing don't you i find with those sorts of games no, it's the mechanical uh, computer it's the game that has the three disc movable to hit mechanical computer when you go this is it this this is the cutting edge of 1975 once upon a time in the west this is a couple of people have recommended um English Civil War, the Warhammer Fantasy Battle, the, the English Civil War version yeah. of that. What people have said about trying that. Um, so I'll, I'll have to have a go at that. Well, again, because yeah, that was written by reenactors as well, wasn't it? Are yeah. we talking about the old school classic Warhammer English Civil War? Yeah, yeah. The one that has a st- Oliver Cromwell Strength Four, and has a special rule where he's plus one strength on the charge, which makes him Strength Five. Which means enemy troops are taking a minus two armor save. So Oliver Cromwell is literally ripping armor apart with his bands <laughs> in a puritanical fury as he tears them apart. I mean, that sounds like a fun game to me. That sounds <sighs> like a simulation to me. Puritanical fury. It's, it's fun though. That sounds like a, that sounds like a card game. That, that, that sounds like that. that. Yeah, that sounds like a game which needs like cards which you can draw on and you get puritanical fury <laughs> on the charge. Um, added friction and whimsy to your games. I, I really like Pikeman's Lament. I think, yeah, you don't take individual models off. You just lose. You go from full strength to half strength to yeah. gone, essentially. So you're not just having 10 guys. You just have, yeah. But we also play at four times the size it's supposed to be played because we play in 10 mil. So rather than oh, this is like, also true. So we are just breaking the game, essentially. So, so like rather than having like one pike block, maybe a couple of shot units and like a unit cavalry, we'll have like four pike blocks, eight or ten units a shot, and then some cavalry. Um so yeah, we just play on a much bigger scale than it is. And so then... what we recommend you do is get a game you like and then just break it and make your own rules up. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got a question then. What 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 are your opinions? Uh, when playing ECW with um, keeping your pike and your musket together. So a lot of people I know like to play so that the pike and the musket are one unit with a, a weapon, like a weapons value and a shooting value. Whereas I like to play where your pikes and your muskets move independently and fire independently. I mean, well, what do you prefer with keep that? Them, I argue it's not historically accurate doing it that way. I'm so. hoping that me and Tom disagree here, but um, if we said I let, I'd like them to be separate units. Separate. Yes. I- Keep like, them separately because, like, from what I've read and what I understand, it's quite often be like the pikeman might be like down a he- like in the holding the middle of a road in a hedge, and like all the shot will be like on either sides of the hedge, 
and mm. that sort of thing. And what, rather than like just maneuvering around as a big single blob. Um, and I think that idea of like, and, and like on, when you start rolling dice, just using the combined, like, well, they've all got like a combined shoot and combined fight value. I just find it a bit of a fudge and not, you know, really. So, so for me, I have different reasons, but all that Tom said is true. When I'm playing a game, I want it to be sometimes one unit passes, but the other doesn't pass its order. So maybe they get out of position, which happened in battles, you know. So your shot moves forward, but your pike fails and like. Yeah, yeah so you just it, that creates the friction of like, oh, no, my units are out of place. What am I going to do now? That's what makes the game. If everything just moves automatically where you want it to go. Well, where's, the, where's the fun in that? It's if it all goes how you want it to go. It's not a game. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's the same sort of thing like you're saying, oh, if your muskets are suddenly not close to the pikes, they're at risk of being charged by cavalry. Whereas if they're the same thing and they form hedgehog, then you're never going to be able to catch a unit. Obviously, there's a like with pike and shot, you roll to see if you can get into hedgehog, mm-hmm. and it might be the same with other games. But if you're automatically catching them out, or, or you're not catching them out, um, it, it just makes the game stale. So it gives you that those risks. You know, people go, oh, you wouldn't have had your muskets out there because they, they'd have been susceptible to cavalry. And it's like, yeah, but only an idiot would have sent them off on their own without the support. The idea is that you're not doing it without the pikemen. It's the chance that they're not. They didn't protect- have they didn't have walkie talkies. They went on the radio going and you move there, you move there. You yeah. know, I think also like think else we've started doing relatively recently in our games is like playing with like a lot more hedges and walls and like yeah. stuff that muck up your movement and your travel and just like not playing every battle as though it's like we're just fighting on like a bowling green or a moor. Yes, like, we, we, there, there is like that they weren't like big open fields like that they were hedges they were roads they were ditches you know things that are going to muck up the way that things yeah. are going to happen you know and like when, when the scottish invaded they went through yorkshire because there was more open ground i don't want to get caught in hedges because they knew their their shot were not as experienced as english shot so they wanted to make sure that they were going to get a chance oh, yeah. so they went through they went for a whole different county because <laughs> they thought the more open the open um Moors would be, you know, better for them. Yeah. No, because it's, it's really annoying where games just like let units just like teleport through hedges and stuff, and it's like it's a nine foot hawthorn hedge. It's going to be a pain in the neck to get through. You know, you're walking around it. You're not jumping over it or jumping through it. It's impossible. You know, find a gate. Yes. Uh, get chopping. That's <laughs> no, good. I was, I was, uh, I was interested to to hear what your opinions were on it because again, like a lot of people have moaned at me. Or not moaned at me, but they've made the point of saying, "Oh, your pikes and your shot should be one thing. They should they shouldn't leave each other because there's there's always that risk, and it just it slows the game down." As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I mean, if you talk about a game of such a scale that you're just using like a little token, oh then, yeah, uh, yeah, then I could see that. But the games we want to play, not well, also, it's not for like lots of the times. It's not like they were highly drilled and like schooled in like complicated maneuver with each other was it like i i, I don't no. know about the other armies but I, oh, I know for like the northern horse quite often they would rock up and they'd have like literally like a few hundred pikemen someone's going off to recruit lo- you know locals who can we recruit in the area oh, all of a sudden we've got some pikemen they're not going to have 90 days of basic drill maneuver to 
get them to do complicated maneuvers. It's like, here's a pointy stick, off you go, chaps. You know, yeah. What you do. So I yeah, will now get the angry emails about you know disregarding the amount of drill. I really. We're going to get. Going. We're going to get lots of angry emails about this. I'm sure, as always. <laughs> um. I, I I think that is there's never been a better time than right now to get into English civil war. I think this is this set's going to be fantastic. You know, you don't have to know all the history at once. I've been studying it for a while and I can tell you now I know about five to ten percent of it you know it's just so much to learn so much to study but that's part of the enjoyment of getting involved and learning about the period so you can pick up this the new epic set you can pick up a rule set and just get playing I think that's yeah. part of the fun of, of, this, of this it's just just get involved really yeah you've, you've got no risk of like if you buy what the epics of, of building like a completely a historical army you're not going to do like oh this is my like invasion of the low countries world war ii german army they have like stacked full of like tiger two i bought three <laughs> tiger tanks for the battle of narvik you know yeah it, you, it's, you can't go wrong really and i think it, uh, i think it's one of those things that it, it's so much fun to play from playing lots of different periods because it is and I, I wasn't particularly enthused when we started playing it because, you know, it was the reason why we started playing English Civil War was we did a club poll. And I think of about like the 10 people who voted, I think one person voted for it as their first choice. Everyone else, it was their second choice. We all like, got our second choice. So we all got so oh, great, we're doing English Civil War. Luckily, most of us managed to have the arm. We'd already bought the armies before the pandemic started. So first yeah. lockdown was painting beige and brown. But the more we play it, just the more that it, it, it does play very differently to Napoleonics or like medieval ancients. It has yeah. its own flavor that I just think is there's nothing special about how it plays because it's, it's not like shot is amazing. Cannons are really good. Cavalry are really good if you get them in the right position like Napoleonics are or how like earlier battles can just quite often be heavy infantry just get stabbing and away you go i for, for me it's sort of like has that secret sauce it's make this i think it's why i just keep playing the period more and more mm. but for me it's just every unit type has a different role and they're different and distinct but there's not yeah, there's so many it's, sort of yeah it's not there's not so many like you think about some games it's like every tiny little fraction a little tiny difference between each unit pike shot dragoons cavalry artillery it's pretty much you're there that's it and it makes sense it's not like your heavy cavalry are actually your dragoons and it's, it's it doesn't it, it it you know it sort of makes sense where like napoleonic cavalry like designations and unit roles just makes even my brain hurt right it's you know it, it just yeah i think we'll i think i think something else that's brilliant about the period for a war gaming's perspective is that when you look at things like napoleonics or later stuff someone can't moan at you for saying you've painted that wrong because despite maybe a couple of units having specific coats you know things like newcastle's lambs and things like that they, they've got white coats not That's many right. people say you've chosen the wrong coat color there to a to, you know it seems like i've had a lot of people message me saying 
oh, um, what colour would this person's coat be? Or and would they have this colour breeches? And to a degree, it's kind of like, well, some people say they've got blue, some people have got, got red. Yeah. Um, but it's up to you, you know, to a degree, there's a yeah, fair enough. But most of it's like the britches. They'd have just been wearing whatever britches they'd have had. So you can have browns, blacks, greys, blues, reds, depending on the uniform. You know, they'll have all been wearing whatever. So it's a lot more freedom with the painting that you, someone can't moan at you. You know, that you can't button count the ECW. <clears> or no, the you can't. Or the flag, even the flags. No one knows the flags. There's only a, a, a minimal list of flags that people actually know, you know, like Prince Rupert's flags and, and the King's flags and maybe a couple of other regiments like Essex as everyone kind of goes for the orange flag with Essex. But other than that, a lot of the flags are just where someone's written it down in, in a manuscript, in a note or something that I said it's a red flag, you know. And, and then when when you see like the few survive, like I don't I don't think I've actually ever seen like a historical like ECW flag. But even when you look like at, like an American Civil War flag, you look at those like actual like the historical flags that are still in existence. They're such shoddy looking things. Oh, they, yeah. it's, it's uh, we expect them to be these like amazingly done things, and it's like you know I think probably like I could maybe about freehand. Some, yeah, yeah. Some of those is like it, it's not amazing, and like yeah, especially with like coat colors and things like that. You're talking like pre-industrial dyes. So you're even saying yeah, you've got like several hundred guys in red coats how many shade different slight shades of red are you going to do because they're not all going to be they say it's venice red but then it's just a red and they're not necessarily they might have used the right dye but they might not have used the right amount of the dye or they've gone too strong with the dye or something has changed it so no one's going to be the same and some will fade and think you know it's all it's all and, the then, sort. and then when they get resupplied they only have coats for 20 percent of them so exactly. here's some red coats that are different to the other red coats We've only got 500 of these. Yeah. Well, spread them out amongst the unit. Well, it, 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 it lays into that meme of like how uh, other 50 shades of field grey, doesn't it? And that's from like the 1940s. So what do yeah. you expect from like the 1640s? You know, it's. The other thing is it's things like, um, uh, like Marston Moor. People go, well, these regiments for Fairfax's army were here at Marston Moor. But then they don't list the fact that there was about four other regiments that were amalgamated into the other regiments so if you try and paint one regiment well actually it's going to have about four different regiments coat colors in it yeah where they tried to bulk up the strength of these regiments so you can't moan that you know they didn't strip them of their coats and give them new ones the day no, before exactly if they were even given coats that's the yeah. thing that's the great thing about the period is it's what there's you're a lot more free with the, the abilities of what you can do with the period and that's what i, I love about it and i think a lot of people actually find that quite um uh what's the word what would be the word they're free they worry about it well some say free but then a lot of people are also a bit taken aback because they want to just be able to go well what color is it they just want to paint it and paint it all the same like i was always like that like, i didn't want to paint things like vikings and things so you know i can barely dress myself so how do i <laughs> choose a color to to paint a you know a viking for instance and it's the same with this it's like trying to work out what looks good without it being a big colour clash, you know. I think it's, um, it's batch painting, isn't it? It's like what really got me into batch painting was doing my ECW stuff. So it's like, right, I've got this brown, this like off grey, which is going to be some undyed wool, right? That's your shirt. That's your breeches. That's your socks. That's your gloves. That's your like comforter hat. It just do just do them all. And go, yeah, they're all going to be from the same different fabrics. They're all going to be roughly natural colours. Not worry too much about it. 
I just got a box and I put every brown and grey and blue and orange in there, shook it up and then pulled it. Right, okay. It's going to be this brown, your shoes, your trousers, your hat. And like, you That's know. That's been the great thing with these Epic Spruces. I've been managing to paint paint up a, a strip. It, well, I, I managed to paint both the units of Musketeers in an evening because it's just so easy to do. It's literally, I've got four painting handles and they're all on each one. And you're just going along, right? These have all got black, these have all got brown, these have all got blue. And it's so much, so easy to do. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, paint an army up in a month. You can. Oh, I mean, I, I, I've been doing these 10 mil guys and I've been doing, I, when I'm, I'm feeling a bit of a cold. You can probably tell at home. But uh, when I was feeling better, I, I was doing like three regiments uh, a night, you know, mm. 10 mil. It's just, just get it done. It's, it's actually really, it's really easy to, to paint smaller scale stuff. It's probably yeah. easier than 28 mil. Oh, I think it, I think it's definitely easier. And I think that that's probably, again, like a, another really good plus point that people should really think about the, the epic stuff is that you will get an army that looks, you'll get an army painted on the table in a fraction of the time that yep. you'll get a 28 mil one because like my 28 mil one took me like three months of lockdown to paint you had to wait when, for a pandemic to get it done yeah it like you know wasn't exactly very busy during lockdown you know and it, it still took me months to paint it did take me a year to paint uh, if I'd have been locked my 28 mil ones take i've got about 14 regiments of foot and then about half a dozen units of horse and it's taken me about eight years to do it you know it's taken me a long That's time you keep buying more models james I, I actually have very low standards. <laughs> um, very high standards when you're painting as well. Yeah, I'm just a shoddy painter who paints quickly. Um, <laughs> to be fair, mine's just base coat with a wash, so I don't do highlights or anything like that. I can't can't be bothered with any of that. So mine are top, all top tip: put the wash on, and if you wipe it quickly, it's like a highlight. Oh really? So you take off a bit of the wash from the top from the raised surfaces. So I'll just. Put it on. That's what I do when I do my oil washes. You put the oil wash on, then you wipe it off, and you. So it's like giving it a highlight. I'll have a go at that. Just but the other, thing, the other thing is, every every soldier in my army's got his eyes shut. None of them have I've done their eyes. Every time I ask my miss, I say to my missus, "Oh, what do you think of that?" I go, "Eyes are shut." So, um, no, eyes don't exist. It's it's. Simple. If you walk to the end of your street, and I'll stand at the other end of your street, right, and I'll look at you, and I'll try and tell if your eyes are open or closed. <laughs> I can't, I can't exactly it's like it's it's so far away how can you even tell no exactly kudos well, to anyone who does do it though i mean yeah yeah well well there's a lot of you know there's lots of nice things that people can paint if they're really into painting you know in the english of war stuff 100 percent. commanders i think it's about the max i'll ever do it on and most of the time they've got lobster pot helmets on and you can't get to the eyes anyway so Thank you very much for joining us this evening, James. And thank you, Andy, from your sick sofa. It's not oh, it's my pleasure. James, is there anything else you wanted to say before before we uh, say goodnight to you? No, not at all. Just thank you, gents, for having us on. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you. You've been uh, and, a to carry on for hours. Like and, and play, oh, you really could. <laughs> uh, but can you just remind the listeners at home about your channel? Yeah, uh, so it's uh, Miller's Miniatures. It's on YouTube. Um, and for anything that you want to watch on um, English Civil War or anything like that, especially with the new stuff coming out. Definitely go and check out the channel. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.